I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this is the podcast that aims to help you with your relationship with fitness, with food, with your body and with your mind. And this week I'm chatting to therapist and intuitive eating counsellor Davinia Knoll all about the intuitive eating journey and Davinia's experiences personally and professionally. Davinia and I have known each other for a while now and it's so lovely to get this opportunity to just have this kind of in-depth chat on the podcast, get it recorded. I really think you're going to so appreciate Davinia's insights and also just enjoy the conversation and you'll just love her voice. I just think she is so softly spoken perfect therapist voice let's just say that (laughs) Um, and I think you're going to really really enjoy this conversation before we get into that however just a reminder we have the final spot available on the train happy Greece retreat I've linked all the information in the show notes for you if you want to check it out but we're having five nights away in September in the island of Crete we're gonna just enjoy the beautiful sunshine the beautiful blue water we're going to be focusing on intuitive movement through workshops and dance party workouts and just exploring our local surroundings with a bunch of like-minded people and I've said this before in previous episodes but the bunch of like-minded people bit is the best bit in my opinion meeting people who just get it and who want the same things as you and want to and are working on similar stuff to you is just so incredible so if you want more information about that then you can check out the show notes and of course before we get into this week's episode it's time for train happy trooper of the week this week's train happy moment comes from the lovely tori and tori sent us this message on our instagram at train happy podcast I wanted to share my recent train happy moment. Throughout the pandemic, I have struggled to want to move. I've been working on intuitive movement along with intuitive eating with my therapist and I read Train Happy last year. By the end of 2021, I had the mental urge to move but I still couldn't make my body actually do it. As I was working through the Train Happy journal, I came to the realization that because my body has changed since I last exercised, I didn't trust my body anymore. I didn't feel connected to my body like I previously had. And I realized that the only way to truly challenge that was to just move my body. So I signed up for a yoga class the next day and I loved it. I ended up even signing up for another class later in the week. Moving my body again was so great and going to the class helped me learn that movement doesn't have to be perfect or feel like it used to to still feel amazing. Oh, Tori, I am so grateful for you for sharing that process and journey and that train happy moment um, and the kind of discovery you've had. And I'm so grateful that the book and the journal have really helped you on that journey as well, because 
yeah, like you say, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be what it was. We, we, you know, maybe there have been points for other people listening where they feel like, you know, they're really super fit or really on their this kind of exercise bandwagon and then then for various reasons that may not be the case anymore and then it feels like well if it doesn't feel like it used to then then what's the point but as Tori says the point is that it can it can feel amazing when we just accept ourselves in the present and work with ourselves in the present and I think that's just a lovely example of that So if you would like to be featured as a Train Happy Trooper of the Week, please get in touch with us on our Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Make sure you head over there as well to hear more from Tori. And uh, yeah, do get in touch with us via DM on there. Okay, enough from me. Let's hear from the brilliant Davinia Noll. Dee, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. I'm so happy we finally made this happen because I've wanted to chat to you for ages and we've just been kind of catching up prior to me hitting record and life's been busy for you. You've had a lot on your plate. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, do you know what? Just thanks for your patience, um, Tally, because we've been trying to make this work for so long and you've been so patient and yeah, I really appreciate it but yeah there's been so much happening in terms of like moving house renovating the house having a baby well that was like 20 months ago but yeah becoming a new mom um I changed roles within my NHS job as well so it's been really busy um just trying to adjust to to, to life as it is at the moment yeah because I mean not only becoming a mum first off is like probably yeah. one of the biggest adjustments we make in life if we choose to have children and then also like on top of that everything else you know I think as women there's you know this sort of expectation that we can juggle all the balls and like we should be able to do it all and it's it's like a lot it's a lot I don't I you mean Mm -hmm. I don't know how you're managing to do everything (laughs) I can just about look after myself and at the moment you know I'm my that's pretty much all I have to worry about and I do do worry (laughs) I do worry about myself thinking how am I going to do it all and I I also think maybe taking the pressure off you know doing it all is maybe the way to go definitely I would not advise anybody to do (laughs) what I did and um yeah like some things did have to I did have to just park some things and think you know I can't do these things like you know it's too much like something has to give and unfortunately that had to be like my the social media side of things I couldn't keep up with like thinking about content writing content posting um and I just had to take the app off my phone for a little while because you know in between doing all of that um you know working like for the NHS and just how much thought and time that takes and being a mum especially doing that in the pandemic and all the house, something something had to to go. And it's really difficult because I think as women, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to try and do everything. Um, <laughs> and when you're, you know, when you do become a new mum, you know, your priorities do do shift. But there is that sometimes that, you know, get out there, you know, you know, the world is yours, claim everything. And I d- just had to say to myself, no, I just, I can't, you know, this is already a lot. And if it was my choice, I, I wouldn't try to be doing all of this at once. Um, but something had to, something had to give, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you're like literally trying to keep a small human alive. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a full-time job. Um, and, you know, this, 
need and like understandably I mean Instagram and all that kind of stuff I feel like is the least of your worries (laughs) and as it should be like as it should be um but well I suppose for everyone kind of listening to give context so Dee and I connected through social media years ago now yeah um and pre-covid we got to do a really awesome event together where we did a panel for fitness professionals um discussing uh kind of intuitive health every size aligned approach to movement and you know putting on and you're one of the panelists and you were there um because you are a therapist you're uh, uh, an intuitive eating counselor as well and that was um yeah that was such a great event and I feel like obviously your life has changed so much since then (laughs) and then we had COVID as well you know um and we got to catch up at my book launch for the Train Happy Journal in in December so that was so good to see you there but yeah so much has changed I mean from when I saw you at the event um you know which would have been like 2019 how have things how have things changed how has it been to kind of take on the identity and responsibility of motherhood and and how's that yeah how's how's that been yeah gosh you know you're right so much has changed actually when I think about when we initially met and how we connected and yeah life has been really different and so I became a mum in June 2020 so that was like in the height of lockdown Mm -hmm. and I did like the last parts of my maternity leave in lockdown as well so my daughter was born like early June and this was when like um like everything was happening in terms of like black life matters and um so I like I was in hospital at some point I didn't even realize what was going on um and the the black square day happened on the like on my daughter's birthday so like when I finally logged onto social media I was like oh like you know you know what was happening um and then just understanding everything about you know what led to that and you know the death of George and just just you know everything that 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 happened and um yeah so that was like a big part of I guess trying to understand what that now means like bringing this this baby into the world and you know you know at a time where there's just you know, so much happening in society in terms of, you know, bringing, I guess, a black baby into the world and what that means and what that means as me as a, as a black mum. So there was a lot of black reflecting and untangling I had to do um, in the beginning when I first had her. And then thinking about what that means as a to be a mum. And I've, I guess I've always been somebody in my family as someone that a lot of people like will come to, like my, my parents, I'm always there to help people. And what that looks like in terms of my daughter now and how I can still look after myself um, while also caring to this little, like this little person that, that needs me. Um, So it was a big learning curve um, for me. And also, I guess, thinking about, you know, as a mum and as a mum in the pandemic, like there wasn't a lot of support around. Um, A lot of services were closed. I had a really difficult time with breastfeeding. Um, so really trying to lean on like other sources of support. It was really important for me to ask for help in um, as, you know, as, as a new mum. So th- there was a lot going on at, at that time. Um, I'm really thankful for my support system, I think. Yeah, they, they really helped me through through that. They say 
it takes a village to raise a child but when you're cut off from that village because of like an imposed lockdown that must be really hard and even as society's kind of structured now it's not necessarily set up to have that level of community support that we kind of evolved with as a species really (laughs) um you know how how important has it been to connect with other new mums and and have that kind of support of of friends and family like not just on the practical level but for your mental health for your support because you know what you're saying about you know having a baby in the summer of 2020 when you're right black lives matter at the forefront of everyone's minds it's a very um intense emotional time on top of that you're dealing with postpartum life and that and the hormones and you know all the stuff that's going on there you know how have you I suppose and I suppose people think well these are therapists she knows what to do (laughs) she's can you know she must she's fine and like everyone needs help and support so how have you been able to support your mental health through that and you know get the support you have needed yeah so I think it's really important and it can be really hard actually like you said like being a therapist sometimes you know you know you know asking for support but I think it's really important that I do that I do mm. demonstrate my vulnerabilities and I do say to people like hey this is really really tough for me and I think it was firstly talking to like my husband about it like I was saying I really struggled with breastfeeding so I had to like go back to like my midwife back to the hospital and say like you know I'm really struggling with this and you know at that usually there's like breastfeeding cafes so you would like take a baby out and go to these cafes and you would get hands-on-hand support but they were completely closed so it was thinking about how else I could try and access that support um and I um I did like a little group um I can't remember what they're called now, like antenatal group, where you like meet other mums. Um, so that was like another good source of support. So talking to those mums and just um, saying just how much, you know, how hard it is, how much I'm struggling and just trying to be really open and honest with my feelings as well. And um, just, yeah, telling my friends and my family that, that I'm struggling. And, and ho- luckily at that time, I, I did have um, some therapy, therapists having therapy. So that really helped as well to, to talk about it. And because of my training, I guess I, I am, I guess I do have a bit more awareness of when I might be feeling a bit low or when things might be a bit difficult or I'm anxious or I might be struggling. So, um, you know, I do have that awareness. So you know, I'm, I guess that is a privilege, I guess, in one respect, and it is a privilege to have therapy. So, you know, having access to my therapist really helped um, as well. I think maybe it's a common misconception that people don't realise that, you know, therapists get therapy too. Like, they, it's an important part of the job to, mm-hmm. you know, have that outlet when you're holding a lot of space for people who probably are going through really difficult things and having you know, a place for you to, I don't know, share that burden, but also, you know, um, look after yourself. I think there's, I mean, I wonder if you see like a lot of, I've seen talk and I remember like some personal trainer naming no names doing this post on um, Instagram. And it was actually in relation to talking about a doctor who's in a bigger body but then also saying like next thing you know there'll be like how can you be in a bigger body and be 
from you know talking about health and being a doctor you, you know how can you be um working in mental health if you're depressed or whatever like that and it was mm-hmm. like this is an extremely ignorant view of yeah. the world that a lot of people work just because people help other people with certain things doesn't mean that they're meant to be perfect and never have any problems themselves and actually we're all just human beings and this idea that yeah. you know in, in the fitness it can be like well if you're a personal trainer you must be able to you know run a marathon and also do 20 pull-ups and also be the fittest person on earth and we kind of forget that we're all human and I think people forget that about therapists as well do you feel like that yeah I saw uh, I I don't want to get messed this up but I saw like a meme and it was like something like or maybe it was a post might not have been a meme but it was like your therapist is a therapist who's having therapy and their therapy is also having therapy and (laughs) I just thought it's so it's so true and you, you, you hit the nail on the head we are just all human beings and we all feel things and we all have vulnerabilities and there um you know some days that we find things really difficult and there's some days where you know we're having the best time of our lives but just because you are a therapist it doesn't mean that you never have difficult periods um of your life it might mean that you have maybe some skills that you're able to reflect on on that and understand a bit more about what might be going on for you you'll be able to name things but mm. that doesn't mean that you will never never struggle and um you know there are some therapists out there that really talk that talk about you know need like you know accessing help or having therapy and I think it's really important that we do show up and we are show that we're human and you know we are vulnerable um that being said I know that sometimes that um there is some there is I guess this culture of in some modalities not really showing anything about yourself and being like quite plain face and not really giving mm. it anything away and you know I, I also understand there's a place for that as well but you know but I think it's really important to show that we are we are human and there are times where we are going to need to access support yeah yeah I know that yeah there's this idea that and I've had that experience in therapy with my therapist yeah. kind of being like a bit of a, a blank canvas and mm-hmm. you know never revealing anything really about themselves yeah. but I suppose also there's great opportunity for connection and and uh, maybe another level of vulnerability when there's v- vulnerability kind of role model to you I mean I know it's probably an argument in the <laughs> in the kind of therapist world um but I feel I I don't know if you feel like it's more of a new generation of therapists kind of coming up you know perhaps being less kind of um like you say stone-faced but a bit, yeah. bit showing a little bit more humanness yeah yeah and I guess it's the rise of being an influencer yeah. um, as well and, and what that what that means and um and I guess when there's I guess in psychodynamic therapy um you find that the therapist won't really give anything away at all and that might be what you need that might be Mm. exactly what you need at that time you just need to talk about how you're feeling and you just need your therapist your therapist to be you know quite straight-faced um obviously compassionate um but not really disclosing anything not giving anything away um 
and it might be that actually you really connect with people that are on social media that are talking about the difficulties um, that they're having in their personal life and are being really open and you can see aspects of their personal life. Um, for, for me, I think I'm still finding that balance of what that might look like for me and mm. you know how I might show up on social media because you know I, I also work for the NHS so I have to think about that and how I show up in that space as well as you know doing my own private clinic but I think there has been like a rise of therapists who are influencers um, who are doing some amazing work that are being a bit more vulnerable online and I think as the individual it's important for you to pick okay you know what works for me you know do I need someone who's talking a, a bit more personally about what they're going through or actually do I want an approach where I don't know and I think about this person you know I just want to show up to therapy and have my space um and I think yeah, it's down to the person of you know what works for them definitely so I suppose we could you know rewind a bit and I'd love to hear how you got into therapy in the first place because this isn't something I know and I'd love to hear what yeah what drew you to therapy and you know becoming eventually specializing in intuitive eating so I'd love to hear that that story yeah of course so yeah my story so I've always been interested in psychology and people and you know what makes people tick and think and just all aspects of being human and human emotions um so it's something that I did straight away I guess basically from 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 university I didn't really have like any other career my career is has been in psychology always but I did have a, a um, I did have a I guess a moment in my life where I was working in business psychology so and then from then um, I was like oh do you know I really want to work a bit more personally with people and to um, work more in mental health and that's when I did my training in um, cognitive behavioral therapy um, a big part of me being really interested in um, I guess humans and therapy was part of my family background and thinking about um, mental health thinking about mental health in the black community and thinking about how we um, I guess the relationship that we have with health professionals and how we can make mental health a bit more of an inclusive space um, and I didn't really see people like me working in mental health or therapy and psychology so it was really important for me to to show up in that space and, 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 and understand it and making it more, more accessible. So that's how I got into therapy. Um, or yeah. And then in terms of intuitive eating and intuitive eating counseling, well, I had my own disordered relationship with food, um, been dieting for as long as I can remember, like for a very, very long time. And I think I got to a point where I just hit rock bottom and I just thought, I just can't do this anymore I was just you know yo-yoing and just feeling really out of control with food and my self-esteem was quite low and I just thought I just can't do this anymore this must have been about just trying to think how long ago maybe about seven eight years ago when I initially thought I can't do this and then I found intuitive eating and then I turned that into a diet um as you do <laughs> so I was going to say something there. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'd love to talk about that because I don't yeah. think that gets spoken about enough that how we mm. can turn intuitive eating into like, yeah, it's intuitive eating, but I'll, but when I'm eating intuitively, I'll obviously lose weight, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get kind of, you know, 
understand and I, and I don't think this I don't want to say this like anyone should feel ashamed of that because it's like totally understandable when everything you've done up until then that point has probably been with the hope of weight loss yeah. um that that part of like that the rejecting the diet mentality and and letting go of that as as a needed outcome is like yeah. the really hard penny to drop I think that's I think that's one of the hardest parts for people. And I wonder if you think that too. It definitely is. And I think you can keep coming back to that because your body will change and then those feelings will rise again. And then, oh gosh, I feel like I need to do something about that. And um, yeah, so I turned intuitive eating as a diet and it was was that thought, okay, I don't need to diet anymore. But if I eat when I'm hungry, I stop when I'm full, then I'm going to lose weight. And that didn't happen because intuitive eating is not a weight loss tool. You know, it's a tool to, to help you, you know, develop the relationship um, that you have with, you know, with, with food. And um, it took me, yeah, it took me quite a few attempts, I think, um, <laughs> to, to, to really understand and also to unpick, you know, what, what was I fear, unfearful of in terms of gaining weight? You know, what was it that I was scared of? You know, what did that mean? to me so um so yeah so I it took me a few attempts of intuitive eating and then I thought okay I think I've I've I understand you know I'm turning this into a diet you know that this is stopping me from becoming an intuitive eater and really connecting with my with my signals and then from then I found like the body positive community because I feel like the two like you know Mm. kind of go hand in hand and um finding like health at every size um and then I thought, you know what, I really want to help other people that are going through this and especially people that are in like black and brown bodies. Because I thought, you know, we often sometimes get missed out of this disordered eating conversation or eating disorders. Um, either it's assumed that we don't have these difficulties um, or we're just, you know, we're just not really thought about or we don't. there's not much research into us and how it affects, you know, us and how how eating disorders show up for us. So um, that's when I did my training um, in intuitive eating counselling. And that must have been about maybe like four years ago, I think, four or five years ago. So, yeah, that, that was my that was my journey. I, yeah, because I've got lots of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose traditionally, um, like you were saying, the kind of psychology world and therapy world I mean from what I'm hearing you saying like it is probably very predominantly white and um not necessarily representative of all the different ethnicities and and the kind of people who need support Mm -hmm. and I think it's probably the same in and we know it's the same in the kind of dietetics world and nutrition world and especially when it comes to intuitive eating I think even then it can be a predominantly white conversation a predominantly white conversation being had um and it's important we have you know people like yourself having that lived experience and perspective of saying like hang on a second this is actually a bit different um for me and this is different for my community um I wonder what ways it is a bit different and what do you think gets missed in the black community that you know we could fly under the radar by someone who's not you know 
but someone who's not black and someone who can't relate yeah. to to that that kind of um community like what 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 do you think we need to have more awareness of yeah yeah that's a really good question I guess when you were talking I thought about when I first found intuitive eating and actually because all I saw was I guess white intuitive eating counsellors who are thin Mm. so Mm. it's almost that idea that okay obviously I can't change myself and I can't make myself white but if I follow these principles I'm going to get closer to that ideal closer to whiteness closer to being thin Um, and I think you know that's why I think it's really important to have people of all different sizes from all different backgrounds practicing intuitive eating um, so that you know that it's not only actually I'm going to follow this and I'm going to look like you Mm. and I think when we're unpicking diet culture from people from you know black backgrounds or people from different um you know um different ethnic minority groups we need to be thinking about actually we're not just unpicking diet culture but also thinking about um racism what it means to be in uh, uh, you know, a fat black in, in in my I guess you know for me to be in a body that's black and in a, in a larger body, you know, what does that mean? You know, how how is that going to show? How am I going to look to the world? Um, and, and all those thoughts that you know c- come with that. Um, I guess I was really worried about um, what that might mean in terms of like prospects for um, jobs or you know how other people might view me. Um, what you know how people are going to see me um and it really had a big impact I guess on my self-esteem and we need to understand I guess the oppression that black bodies face um in I guess you know I don't think it's 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 not just rejecting the diet mentality it's also thinking about um what it means to be in a larger body you know from a different you know from an ethnic minority community so I think we need to think about that in the conversation that we're having and I think you know when we're practicing we have to have a lot of compassion because sometimes we're not going to really understand um, what people are experiencing Um, we might have an idea and um, we can be learning but we we don't really understand day to day what they might face um, and just the levels of oppression that they might be experiencing. Mm. We've had a few conversations on the podcast in the past um, and a recurring theme has been that um, those people who are people of color, black people have often expressed that the reason they had, they kind of wanted to diet and wanted to, you know, transform their body is so that they could look closer to this white kind of European beauty standard that is upheld and, you know, if we're thinking about like a hierarchy of bodies, think that I kind of visualize a pyramid that would be at the top of that pyramid. And, yeah. you know, the closer we can get to that, then the more, the safer we are. And that's what's so yeah. messed up about it is that, that you know, we are treated better. And that's the messed up part because it's a societal issue. It is... um it's an issue of racism. It's an issue of, um, you know, oppression against people in larger bodies. And so it's the kind of intersections of those things, right? That like you're saying, like being a black woman in a bigger body, that it's harder than, 
to someone who may be white and in you know a, a similar body that there's there's more levels to to the kind of privilege we have yeah um, and please interject if you <laughs> um have more thoughts because this is you know your experience but this has been my understanding of it and you know I've learned more about this through just having these conversations on the podcast with people who felt you know I felt kind of honored that people would talk you know open up and talk about this because I do think that this would be this is something I've been completely ignorant to you know not having had that experience at all and thinking you know I want to be you know a way I could kind of assimilate almost is to try just try and look more white and a lot of that is in that body shape um I suppose also when it comes to eating disorders as well, one of the big things, and it's actually as our point of recording, it's like National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that eating disorders are just a thin white women thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're not. Um, and that's something that once again, screening for that is tricky. And I suppose you're, you're working in the NHS and you know how tough it is for people to take seriously not only if you're in a larger body and not showing up with this um you know I I think there's still weight requirements to access certain like eating disorder treatments through your GP in the UK yeah um so there's that part but then there's also the part where and this is once again my understanding so please interject if that being a black person going to the GP, you might not, and especially a black woman, you might not necessarily be quite believed or quite, um, yeah, quite believed. That's my understanding, but please, you know, you've had that experience. So do you, do you think that's a big part of that misconception that we have in this space? Yeah, I think I, I don't think maybe now because I can advocate for myself, you know, I have a bit more confidence, I have a bit more understanding. But I think back then, I don't even know, I wouldn't, I didn't even think about going to my GP, because I know they probably would would have just, you know, prescribed another probably like weight loss tool. And they wouldn't have even thought about how this is affecting me. And when we do look at eating disorders, exactly what you said, um, there are some weight requirements. People don't actually look at the behaviours that people are doing. It doesn't matter what size you are. You know, there are behaviours that you you could be doing that are really harmful, but they might just look at someone and think, actually, you know, you're still, you know, they'll use words like overweight or, you know, um, so, you know, and I think over what weight, but, you know, they use words like that. And also just side note, you know, I've spoken a few times about this as well on the podcast. BMI is like, also rooted in racism like, exactly it's based yeah. on white european men yeah That's and how it was it an created. insurance tool like it wasn't it was, even <laughs> yeah it's just... if people want the full breakdown of bmi listen to maintenance phase podcast and their episode on bmi i don't know if you've listened to it but it's top no, notch okay i have to go and listen it's to the, it <laughs> it's the perfect deep dive on this and i feel like it's the deep dive to end all deep dives it's so okay. good um but yeah it's it was no, it doesn't even account for women, let alone um, any sort of <laughs> any other um, ethnic groups other than white European men. So it's so deeply flawed that we shouldn't be using it on you or I, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's really frustrating because 
you know, I don't even want to mention the BMI, but they will look at their chart. Oh, your BMI is not under there. You, you know, you're not going to get any help. And it's really sad, actually, because it closes off the conversation um, and, and support for so many people um, that do require that help. And then I think, you know, are we thinking about how, you know, how much it, it might take for like a person of colour to go to the GP to ask for help? And then, you know, like you'll go to the GP with like your shoulder hurting. Oh, you know, step on the scales. You know, do you know that your your BMI is so and so? Um, and then you don't you don't want to go you don't want to access help and it's you know and it's trying to break down I guess you know because this is trying to break down the, you know the, these barriers so I I think it's really important that we do you know in the, the spaces of like you know healthcare um, I guess intuitive eating therapy that we are thinking about how um, like disordered eating or eating disorders or health problems you know might show up for people of color and we are you know challenging um racism because that's what it is and oppression because that's what it is as well we are challenging you know systemic um racism and oppression um yeah do you feel like it's getting better do you feel like there's even incremental progress in terms of awareness being raised of like i said like just having more awareness in that kind of screening process and you know, in those sort of medical settings when people may be looking for help, um, do you do you think there is any progress? Um, do I think there's progress? <laughs> I <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I think there is. I don't yeah, because I do feel like um even though there were certain things that happened in twenty twenty that were like, you know, I think some things were lip service, mm-hmm. but I do feel like there has been some changes and, you know, we're having, you know, this conversation, which yeah. is, you know, really, really important. And then I think there's been some really amazing, I would say, like um, people that work in this space that have um, wrote books um, that are raising awareness. So people like um, Sabrina Springs, like Fairing the Black Body, then um, is it Fatally Ever After? Um, yes, Stephanie Yaboa. We yeah. had Stephanie on the podcast and I think... Her, her book is just such a great personal insight into like the lived experience of Definitely. Um, being a black woman in a large body that it's so important to read. So Definitely. important. Yeah. And then like Sonia Renee Taylor. Yes. Um, your body's not an apology. Um, and, you know, I think it's important that these stories are getting out and we're talking about these things. And I think, mm. you know, that is, I would say that's, that's some change um but I think I really want to see those changes at I guess maybe government level yeah in the healthcare system um you know those I guess you know everyone's doing a lot like at grassroots level here and it's amazing and I do feel like those changes really do affect what's happening but Mm. yeah I feel like the the government needs to take more responsibility um and I think that yeah there has been little changes but I guess it's not enough there's still so many people that, that that are struggling that need access to support that are not listened to that are judged by their body um that, that need access to help uh, a thousand percent um completely support that message um and 
yeah, I think, I think it's really important. And I hope people listening, like, you know, like you said, you are an intuitive eating counselor, you are a therapist and people can, you know, recognize themselves in you and, and can see themselves in you and see that, you know, there's, uh, there are people in this space who are bringing the, you know, your experience and perspective. And I, I, I think that's hugely important. Um, I suppose you were kind of talking about your journey discovering eating and things like that. Um, Up until that point, you know, what do you, what do you feel like this idea of constantly pursuing thinness and the kind of body beauty ideal, where does that leave us? Where does that leave our mental health? Because often, you know, there's, you know, the physical health implications, but also so much of what we're doing often when it comes to dieting and intentional weight loss is trying to achieve health trying to you know get healthier and we're told that weight loss is like the panacea that kind of solves yeah. it all and, and and does that but my thought process is from my own experience and has kind of only got stronger is like how can we say that we're pursuing health when we're for so many people it's sacrificing our mental health and why are we not connecting those two things and why is this idea of health always about what you eat and how you move and never about how you're actually looking after your mind yeah what do you think the impacts of the you know normalized restriction normalized dieting normalized kind of disorder is on our collective mental health but also on kind of maybe on an individual level as well yeah yeah such a such a you know really thoughtful great great question because um I feel like sometimes mental health does get missed out of out of you know this picture because dieting has such a big effect on mental health and I think when you're dieting and restricting not only like I guess the physical aspects of that in terms of um you know having enough like food and energy to be able to think clearly and Mm. you know we're also thinking about how that makes you feel as a person and you know when I'm thinking if I think about my experiences when I was in the thick of diet culture I had really had my self-esteem was was quite was quite low because everything about myself was focused on the scales and that's how a lot of people do feel at that time and you know how I felt day to day or week to week was dependent on what that number says and when you're dieting you can't really think about anything apart from food or your diet or what you're going to eat and what your next meal is going to be and what that's going to you know what your day is going to look like in terms of food or if you get invited out to friends oh, what's going to be on the menu? You know, is there going to be something that I can eat on that menu? So everything is is is, is surrounding, I guess, you know, dieting and, and how you're feeling. And when that happens, your world gets smaller. You know, you're, you can't be mindful. You're not able just to be in the moment and focus on what's around you and enjoy things day to day. You're in your mind a lot. Um, it really increases your anxiety um, because you're worried a lot what people will think about you if you're go- going to have the right food choices um, and then you've got those physical sensations of anxiety too and then having to grapple with that and how 
that makes you feel or if you know you didn't get the number that you wanted on the scales you know then that's going to make you feel really low and then having to deal with those emotions um there's so much that underpins diet mentality and you know as I was saying like your world gets smaller because Mm. everything is focused on that so actually you might not want to go with that dinner to your friends because there might be something that you can't eat or you know you really hate running but you're doing running because that's the only exercise that you think is acceptable so you might be denying yourself of of dance or you might not want to go for an opportunity because you're worried about your body size and what people think about you um, so these are all the ways that it can impact on your mental health. And I, I've got a lot of compassion for um, people that, you know, are in diet mentality because, you know, it's it's not their fault. You know, it's yeah. society's fault and these messages that we get sent about being thin. So if somebody still wants to diet or they're still in the thick of diet mentality, I, I hear them because it's, it's really painful, um, you know, just the messages that we have about people in fat bodies and and larger bodies. So, um, yeah, so I just think there's just so much you're grappling with, you know, not those physical changes and all those like emotional um, changes that that, that I spoke about. I resonate so hard with the your world gets really small thing. Like I was looking, I was with my kind of best friend the other day and we went to drama school together and she got the our yearbook out and I was looking at our yearbook from when we graduated and I just remember that kind of final year in particular was when I was very in the thick of dieting and in a very kind of disordered headspace as well and I was like oh I'm not really in any any pictures I'm not really oh I don't really remember that I don't really oh yeah you guys all went out and did that and I wasn't there and I just withdrew myself so much that I missed out on really having that experience to the absolute fullest it could have been because I was you know at home making my perfectly presented Mm. porridge and posting my perfect meals on Instagram or at the gym you know getting in my perfect workouts that had to be x amount of time and it's sad I you know there's a there's a part of like a grief with that of like my world is small and also I'm really sad about that like I'm frustrated and sad with all the things I missed out on yeah and you do you can miss out on so much and like you were saying like looking back like it's almost like oh my gosh like I missed out in on so much but then when you're in the thick of it you've got all those emotions and then you've got all those emotions about trying to, you know, get things right, trying to get the, you know, to the size that you want. But then you've also got those emotions from missing out and Mm. not being able to do the things that you want and how that, you know, you're detaching a bit from your life, you know, you're detaching a bit from your life. So it is really, um, it is, I guess, grieving, um, you know, that, that loss. And when I think back to, some of the things that, you know, some of the things that I did when I was in the thick of um, diet mentality or some of the things I didn't, you know, show up to. And it's it's so, it's really, you know, it's it makes me really angry that this is the impact that, you know, diet culture has um, on us where it can make our lives really small and make us, you know, you know we stop doing the things that we truly love um and enjoy because of you know because of 
how we look and and not, not just how we look actually because I don't want to reduce it to that but it's just because of how we know that we might get treated I guess mm. you know in the world because that that's we need to consider that as well we yeah we we do um and I think it's understandable that people want maybe want to stay in that diet mentality space because I'm pursuing weight loss because you know they may get you know we know that weight stigma increases um when you know for people in the biggest bodies and and that people want to make their lives easier and it's kind of understandable and it sucks um because we also know that it's like so unsustainable and and impacts us on this kind of emotional and physical level um in a way that we don't necessarily get told all the time and and don't you know and when you kind of do do the reading around it and the research around it you're like oh my goodness why have I been prescribed this at the doctors exactly <laughs> why it doesn't make sense um and yeah I wanted to talk about as well that this idea of our world gets small but also we blame our body and blame and think if we can just control our food control exercise control stuff then that's going to you know that is a way of sort of distracting us from actually probably dealing with the the greater underlying issue um you know I kind of think of a lot of disordered behaviors you know if you think of that picture of an iceberg where you have like the tip of the iceberg that you can see above water and then that huge huge iceberg below the surface of water and I often think a lot of this these disordered behaviors this kind of the way we turn everything inwards is our is the coping mechanism we've learned from diet culture to deal with difficult emotions, to kind of process things. And there's actually all this stuff going on underneath um, that we don't have, sadly, haven't learned the tools to cope with and learn the tools to process. Um, And I suppose as a therapist, are you, do you feel like that that's the stuff with people where we can really, when, when we can kind of get to that point in the process of recovery and especially through the principles of intuitive eating I think intuitive eating really helps people I don't think it necessarily solves all our issues Mm. it just takes the food stuff off the table so that we can actually see what's actually going on you know it's like that's just in the way of almost actually getting to the heart of the issue yeah do you feel like that um as a therapist working with clients that a lot of the times there's this deeper deeper thing going on definitely um there yeah there's always like once we strip back and we think you know what is it that you're fearful of or Mm. you know tell me you know what's been going on for you or when you really understand somebody's body story um you can really understand what's going on for them and what might have been driving I guess the weight loss or you know the diet that um the diet behaviors um, and a lot of the time it's, you know, being fearful, might be fearful of rejection or um, fearful of people not wanting to be around them or not being good enough. Um, you know, there's, you know, we can really unpick and find out what's going on and really hold compassion. Um, and I can really hold space and compassion for them. So in therapy, we do spend a lot of time, like I guess, thinking, you know, 
what is it that's going on for you? And I think, you know, if, because, you know, not everybody can access therapy, but sometimes journaling is really mm. helpful um, just to write down your thoughts or even write down your body story, um, trying to understand, you know, what, you know, what were the first messages that I had about my body, that my body isn't acceptable, my body isn't right, and thinking about what those were and how that's contributed to how you're feeling now um and what 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 is it that you're fearful of or what's what's driving that that weight loss so sometimes that can really help or you know accessing and reading some of those um body positive books that are out there or people or even people's individual stories and journeys because then you can start to oh wow you know I feel that I hear that you know that's me I'm not alone yeah I'm not alone so like um Jess Baker's um Lanwell that's a really um like it's her story of her body but just really understanding I guess you know what that means and like we were saying like um Stephanie Boas Fatally Ever After um understanding what it's like to be um you know a woman in a larger body and how that might show up because then you can start to identify with some of those feelings and think oh gosh you know this is why I feel the way that I do and this is where this is coming from you know this is not my fault I haven't done anything wrong I just want to be accepted in society but actually I'm living in like a space that is fat phobic and there is weight stigma and there is oppression and that oppression can be in the form of um, body size or even you know um, like in terms of physical like abilities or it might Mm. be in um, you know for your skin color Um, so and then to really unpicking you know where these messages come from and you know because it might be that say for example that you came from a family that um, that you know that that were dieting and I think, you know, where do they get those messages from? You know, what was going on for them? So trying to really um, understand your body story, I think is really important. So and doing things like this and listening to podcasts and, you know, hearing people's stories and picking up tips, um, you know, are ways to, you know, really understand what, what's, what's going on for you. There's a, a really great kind of body image kind of educator, coach, um, called Nina Manelson and we had her on the other podcast I used to host Fit and Fearless and she wrote she writes poems and she wrote this poem called I Feel Fat and I'm not going to read it but there was just like the essence of the poem and it's like beautiful um, way of explaining it is saying like I feel fat um, you, well you, you can't feel fat but it's a placeholder for feeling something that we don't have necessarily the words and vocabulary to describe um and actually fat isn't what you're feeling it's something else yeah um but figuring that out is is the hard part and that's where things like therapy can be great but also just having great awareness like in the train happy journal I included um a kind of version of the wheel of emotions so it I mean, you probably know it really well, but yeah. it has, you know, I don't know exactly know the exact amount, but you've got multiple emotions because it's like when you feel sad, then you like expand sad. So what exactly within sad are you feeling? Are you feeling like disappointed? Are you feeling um, frustrated? You know, what? what is it? And then you can even like 
get even more specific from there and it helps you expand your vocab because I think that's part of it a lot of the time we're feeling stuff but we have you know we might have not had those conversations and been exposed to people just using that kind of language um to say how they're feeling yeah I think the emotions were such a great tool and I like I use it all the time but like you said it's that language and often when we have all those feelings bubbling up it's like okay I need to do something about it I need to fix it I need to go on another diet Mm. um and sometimes it's like I guess you know sometimes leaning a bit into that discomfort just to try and explore a bit more and think you know what is it that I'm feeling what is bubbling up for me and I think you know one of my turning points when I realized that actually changing my body is not necessarily going to change how I'm feeling and my emotions and actually I have to go through that process of um, trying to you know somewhat accept my body or um, have gratitude for my body if that acceptance piece can't come yet have gratitude um, for my for my body and you know and you know thankful for you know what you know what it's done for me and what it can do Um, so yeah so there's just yeah there's so many like tools and you know and if you're really struggling for you know to try and understand what's going on um the emotion rules are great yeah a great great resource um to use you may have already answered my question but I suppose (laughs) my kind of final question was for those people who and I suppose this is where CBT could come in when we are getting those sort of almost intrusive thoughts about you know you start you suddenly you've done a lot of work about rejecting diet mentality and you're on this journey of kind of self-acceptance and body acceptance and all that stuff and you're trying to be neutral about everything but you know you have a bad day someone makes a comment or something happens and you feel a bit triggered and the thoughts start creeping in like well maybe I should not eat any carbs for dinner or maybe I should you know maybe you know perhaps I should start a diet perhaps my body is the problem and actually like I'm my body's not good enough what do we do when those thoughts come up? How can we perhaps use a little bit of CVT to um, say those, okay, I, I see that thought. It's not mine. I don't yeah. have to claim it. You know, what What do you recommend? Yeah. So there's quite a few different things you can do. Um, so you can, in terms of you can use CBT te- techniques, you can also use a bit of self-compassion you can sit with that thought and you can reflect so if I was thinking about CBT would depend on I guess the kind of thought it would be Mm. but I think sometimes naming that thought and getting it down onto paper is really useful Um, so just seeing what that that thought is and then thinking about how that thought makes you feel um, is really important again that's where you can use that emotions well so thinking about okay how's this thought making me feel I'm thinking about how true this thought is you know is this thought true um or you know is there is there another way of looking at this thought so I guess really trying to 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 break that down um and that's a technique that we might call um thought challenging um or or yeah yeah challenging your thoughts so that might be like a way that you can like if you want to like I guess systematic 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 way of of trying to challenge those thoughts that's you know a way approach that you can take another approach might be um actually thinking you know these thoughts are really difficult and sitting with that thought and having self-compassion for yourself and you know and saying you know this is this is a really difficult moment and sometimes you can put your hand on your heart 
and just um yeah just like sit with the difficulties of you know of the feelings that that's bringing up um for you and then um from then you might want to go into thought challenging or you might want to leave it there and talk to a friend about it or actually do something that makes you feel 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 better or feel good um or it could be that actually there and then you might want to go back to some of the things that you already know so it might be going back to that Instagram post that you've saved that you know that will challenge that you know that thought that you've got in your mind it might be going back to that podcast or going back to that book that you know that's been really useful for you and just remembering what you know reminding yourself of what you know about the impact of diets um diet culture um or it might be that you just, you know, you just want to speak to a friend about it and talk about those thoughts and what's coming up for you. But I think it's really important throughout everything that we, we're doing is having that self-compassion piece and mm. remembering that you're not to blame and you're human. And it's really human to have these difficult emotions and remembering that thoughts are not facts. And just because that we're thinking something, it doesn't mean that that is true our mind plays a lot of tricks on us and it can lie to us a lot so remembering that just because it's you know it's your mind it doesn't mean that that's true whatever you're thinking you know it it, it you know it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't it does, it's not saying anything about you as, as a person and coming back to that so yeah so those are a few things that you can do or you might just want to lie down <laughs> you might not just want to do anything you might just want to lie down and listen to some music or just dance and do something that makes you feel good so I think you know it depends on the on you as a person and thinking about what might work best for you all of those suggestions <laughs> sound brilliant and I think that's really genuinely helpful advice so I hope everyone's enjoyed their free slice of therapy from D today and <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to finish the podcast by asking you what has been your most recent train happy moment yes so um I've had quite a few recently it's been um I've been trying to get back into exercise um well I guess positive movement very gently and one thing that I'm enjoying at the moment is dancing um mm. yeah love dancing so same day <laughs> yeah it's just so great just put on some music um just danced around in my room and just just enjoyed it um and yeah it was it was great but I'm finding dancing a really nice way of um of just moving my body um finding it really enjoyable especially when it's a song that you really like and yeah so that's 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 my train happy moment at the at the moment just giving myself space to do that and to really just let go <laughs> letting go is the best yeah um, and I think especially with COVID and everything um there's I feel like there's not been like those opportunities to almost like go out and dance like you used you know that, yeah. that we kind of took for granted Definitely. and there's so much I, I feel like dance in particular and maybe it's me but it just really like soothes a real part of my inner child it that does it's just so important like I just it just makes me so happy and carefree and like it's one of my favorite things to do even it's just like with my friends dancing around like honestly it's I, I you don't even need to be able to dance to enjoy it, you know yeah especially in the it. confines of your own home <laughs> exactly you just shut the door dance like no one's watching your um darts parties are great I've done them a couple I've done them a couple of times <laughs> well I'm I'm kind of hoping this year will be the year I might bring them back a bit more formally yeah. so I'm trying to I'm I'm 
it's in the works. So stay tuned, everyone. (laughs) Dee, where can people find you, support you, potentially work with you? Where can they, yeah, get to know you? Yeah, so I'm at the Diet Boycott on Instagram. So you can find me there. And I have a website, which is um, www.divinianoel.com. So you can find me there as well. Feel free to drop me a message, send me an email, whatever. Happy to connect with to, to connect with anyone. <laughs> Amazing. I'll make sure that's all linked in the show notes for everyone. And great. thank you so much. I've just really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it's been great catching up with you. Thanks so, so much good. for having me, Tally. My pleasure. <laughs> And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember... If you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. late bloomers tend to have more curiosity they tend to have more resilience their stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men what if everything we've been taught is just all wrong what's worth more than this fear right now and that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being listen to deeply personal insightful and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers listen and subscribe to the unmistakable creative wherever you get your podcasts